0: The things that we think are making us happy can often be the things that are keeping us in prison. And the things that we think have to be a certain way in order to make us happy oftentimes can be done in a completely different, more maintainable, more sustainable way where you can also be happy. But what happens is you have to let go of the belief that that's the only way you can do it.
1: Hey everyone, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 160 of Hurdle, a wellness focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about their big wins, tough moments, and everything in between. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes and CEOs to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and have some fun along the way. Today, for episode 160, I am talking with Lori Harder. She's a self-love specialist, host of the Forbes top-rated Earn Your Happy podcast, founder of the Bliss Project, author of a tribe called Bliss, founder of Light Pink, a new spiked seltzer companies. Yeah, she does a lot. Her story is super intriguing. I mean, this woman went from small town life, growing up super religious, coming into her own, leaving the religion, getting inspired by fitness competitions, and ultimately making a massive pivot to land herself in a completely different career path. One that she's in now or her work, as I said before, revolves around a lot. As an entrepreneur, Lori has a lot going on, but Because of that, she has so many amazing takeaways and life lessons that I cannot wait to share with you. I do want to say thanks to y'all for being a little bit patient with me. The last week has been chaos, but I am happy to say that I am now officially a Brooklyn resident. I'm trying to set up this home, trying to get myself organized, and I cannot appreciate all of your reaching out and good messages and sweet thoughts enough. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And if you haven't done so yet, it would mean the world to me if you'd pop in over, over in (laughs) to Apple Podcasts, rate and review the show, give it five stars, tell the world what you love about listening to Hurdle. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Lori Harder. She's a self-love specialist, host of the Forbes top-rated podcast, Earn Your Happy, also girlfriends in business, founder of The Bliss Project, author of A Tribe Called Bliss, founder of Light Pink, a new spiked seltzer company. Like, is there anything you do not do?
0: Lots. (laughs) Lots. So many things. Yes. I. It's it's funny. I'm probably a lot like you though. I feel like I just, I'm interested in things. Like, And it's hard to say no to things you're really interested in. I feel like I say no all the time, but I don't know.
1: I feel like that's one of the best pieces of advice though. I mean, there's going to be so many like entrepreneurial nuggets in this conversation, but I've certainly heard you say this before. I feel like every entrepreneur that I've talked with, spoken with, that's offered me advice, their biggest takeaway all the time is say no more.
0: Oh my God. I mean, Warren Buffett says he, you know, he says he's successful because he says no to almost everything. And then I was just talking to Dean Graziosi. He, he came on our, um, we do a mastermind and he came in there and and we said, how do you like, how do you do it? And you have such a great family life. And he said, you know, I, he said, I literally say no to everything. And then finally people stopped asking and that might be scary to some people but but to me but I'm it's like, interesting oh, so interesting you know you got to make room for it somehow You've got to make room for it. But also that
1: idea then, like people stopped asking. So then perhaps if you're the person that wants something, it's kind of a reminder because I think for me, certainly when it comes to asking people to come on the show, sometimes I'm like, oh, they must be so inundated with requests. Mm-hmm. I Maybe I should wait until like they're trying to promote something. And sometimes I do that. Mm-hmm. But other times I'm like, well, if you don't ask, you don't get. So maybe mm-hmm. these people
0: are less inundated than even I hope. I think sometimes they are. And and what's so interesting is and you know, you ask all the time. So you've you've also learned like you can't take take things personal. And I think I've just gotten to this place with asking where it's like, okay, if they don't, like, I'm not afraid to ask anymore and be super consistent with it because I feel like people who are really, like sometimes the people you really want to work with or who are really like clear on who they are and they're the people that maybe we strive to work with, they're so clear typically on what they want to do and what they don't want to do that they're going to tell you. They're not going to flake on you. They're not going to be around the bush. They're going to be like my plate's really full. I'm not doing podcasts this year. Like it's so decisive and it's so long-term that like I have learned, I used to, cause I used to ask Marie Forleo to be on my podcast. I asked her, I have probably asked her over 20 times, like to the point where I should have saved some of these pitches, pitches. I'm sure that I could find them, but like I wrote her like a rap song. Like I literally like was doing all of these things things. And I started saving her nose back to me because they were so good and done so loving, but so firm that huh. she was like not doing podcasts right now that I saved them and started using like that idea as replies to people who would ask me. I'm like, thank you so wow. much. So even though you said no to me, you actually showed me and taught me like one of the greatest ways to say no to people. So I'm so freaking grateful. Like I'm obsessed yeah. with it.
1: It actually that's that's such an interesting tactic and it reminds me when I sat down with Alex L she told me that learning how to say no over the past couple of years was like one of the biggest skills that she has come into her own with mm-hmm. and she said that someone was similar to you in that persistent nature trying to work with her on something and finally I think her no involved some language that was like I really appreciate you for respecting this boundary of mine, and unfortunately, (laughs) I just can't move it at this time. And it was like, there's no more room for conversation. No is no. That's it. Yep. Totally. Totally. (laughs) That's it. Well, you said something here that I found really interesting, and I know will get us a little bit into your story, which is mentioning that when you are firm on who you are, Mm. and I know that you like all of us, (laughs) haven't always been super firm in who you are and owning who it is that you are in your personality. Mm -hmm. So why don't we rewind it back a little bit and talk a little bit about your backstory and where you grew up, which is in the UP, as the kids (laughs) call it.
0: Yes. People are like, you grew up in the UP and that's like literally what we called it. So when I would tell people that when I moved, they're just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You guys, (laughs) that is the upper peninsula of Michigan. And we didn't even think we were a part of Michigan because we weren't, you're not. So in the upper peninsula of Michigan, you're not actually connected to lower Michigan. It's a bridge separates you, the Mackinac Bridge. So we are connected to Wisconsin. So we more identified more with Wisconsin than we even did Michigan, which is why we probably just called ourselves <laughs> the UP. Um, <laughs> there's no Michigan in that at all. And I'm telling you that because if you didn't know where it was, there's a reason. It's it, <laughs> it's it's smaller. It's in the woods like it is very it's kind. it kind of feels off the map like we actually uh, even I, I it's funny because in my 20s, I started traveling to Canada. Canada a lot, and I I felt more like a Canadian, like when I would meet and talk with them, than I did anybody else, um, which is very bizarre. Um, so it's small town, grew up in uh, essentially you know isolated, about three three hours from anything that would resemble a city. You know, if we were gonna go to school clothes shopping when we were young, we'd like drive three hours to like go to some stores or go to this mall. And so um, I was also raised in a more restrictive religion. And the reason I share that is because it went from a small town to make it even smaller because I wasn't allowed to hang out with people outside of the religion. So Um, the bubble became even smaller of perspective, of beliefs, of, you know, what I was exposed to. And so it was a very, it's like, we only know what we know. And so from there, it was, it was a very small, uh, just pool of people that I was learning from experiences that I was seeing. So when I became a teenager and started like having these different thoughts and questioning different things and wanting to do things that were kind of outside of what was expected from the religion, you were kind of uh, expected to more like grow up and and teach about the religion and go door to door and convert people and do all of those things. And so when I had these ideas of like, oh my God, I think I want to like be like a fitness role model. I think that I want to be like a, like a celebrity fitness person. I think I want to help all of these people transform. It was like so far outside of what we were quote unquote, kind of like expected or. Uh, almost allowed to do because that would mean my life would have to be integrated with a lot of uh, people who were outside of the religion. So that wouldn't work. Mm. And so when I was 18, I ended up leaving and it was one of the hardest things that I've ever done because it broke my family's heart. And um, I still fully respect the religion and all of the things that it taught me, but it just absolutely was not the direction that I was going to be going for my adult life. And the reason that that was so challenging is because I did not have any friends outside of the religion, none. And when you're leaving it, you are no longer supposed to hang out with them because you're you just are thinking differently. Mm-hmm. And so, when I left, it didn't just mean like leaving home at 18. It was like leaving everything I had ever known in my entire life. And the idea that I teach on so much now, it it came from this is your environment is stronger than your willpower. So no matter how much you want to go and do something that you have not been exposed to in your environment, If it's not currently in your environment or there is not someone doing it in your environment or you're not listening to someone in your environment or people in your environment don't have those beliefs, your environment will not allow it. Like it will absolutely Mm. strangle out whatever it is that you're trying to do. Not in a bad way. just it can't be cultivated. It's not the soil in which it, it can be cultivated. So I learned that because you have to go and start l- at least listening on podcasts, at least reading books, at least consuming these things where you're, cause that's your environment too. I believe your environment is people, you know, when you think of environment, you might think of your home or outside or whatever that is, but your environment yeah, it can be your home and the the energy in it. And maybe there's clutter and things in there or whatever it is. But a lot of it is people and what you're consuming is really the environment, right? Like, uh, Jim Rohn says, you're the sum of the five people that you're around the most fully believe that. And I also believe it's, you're the sum of the things you're consuming, like listening to reading all of the things. So I start like once I understood this I started to say okay people people talk about transformation all the time and I know that we're probably going to talk about some of the different just you know the fitness journey and things like that but um I really started to understand that when I wanted to go on a um like when I wanted to become that fitness person because my whole family was overweight and I struggled with weight I had gone on a diet for the first time at 8 years old been on hundreds of diets but I could not get to that place without leaving the current environment that was causing, uh, you know, n- me to not be able to reach those goals. So, t- tangent. It's there. so
1: interesting to hear about you, uh, uh, similar to me, going through all of these different phases in your life where you were dieting and yo-yo dieting, and your weight was up probably, and it was down mm-hmm. probably, and then it was back up probably. So that diet culture then encouraging you almost to be like, but I really want to get involved in fitness. Were you at a point ever in that journey where you felt like you were super fit or no, not before you left home?
0: Not really before I left home. There was there was kind of one year, and it was the year that I wasn't home much. It was the year that I had gone a lot and stayed with a girlfriend whose family was very, it was actually the, the family that helped me understand that there were choices that I could be making that were outside of my current choices, and that people, they showed me that there could be a healthy relationship with food. Like, I remember the first time I went to her house, it was, uh... 14 and I stayed for a week and I went home and I had lost five pounds. And I was like, I I couldn't lose five pounds if it took me the year when I was at home, you know? And how did I go and have fun and like enjoy myself and like eat great food, but I like lost this weight. We – only ate like at mealtime. They did not snack. And we were so wildly busy, like outside and playing outside and like talking and just like it, I I literally, I wrote about this in my book because I had said to her, it was like one night in and I was programmed to snack, right? Like programmed to snack at night. That is what we did. So it was like, I don't know, 7 PM. And I was like, Hey, like, where's your, where's your snack cabinet? Like, let's have some snacks or whatever. And she was like, what do you mean? Like, we don't like what we don't really snack. Like we eat dinner and we don't really snack at night. (laughs) It's like, what? She's like, there's apples though. I was like, apples. Like, you know, if you're a snacker, like you eat bags of Twizzlers and ice cream and like you do this, you do like three different snacks in one night. I just, I don't mean a snack. I mean like full on, you know, you're making hot fudge sundays like massive bowls of whatever. And I looked at her and I was like, an apple? Like that is disgusting. Like I was, I was disgusted. Um, but that was that first moment. That was like a breakthrough moment for me of it, that whole week was just like, oh my God, I'm watching these people not even care about food. And my brain was just like, where's the food? Where's the snacks? Are we okay? We're going on, you know, this, this day hike, what snacks are we bringing? Where's the trail mix? Like, are we going to die? Like, oh, <laughs> It's all of these, all of these things and these attachments to like, if we're doing this, we need this snack. If We're doing this, we mm-hmm. need this snack and we're bonding over this and oh, we're all playing cards at the table. Why aren't there like a bunch of chips and you know, all these things on the table. Like I was, I was watching my brain kind of be like, ah! and, and also noticing that I was just consumed with other things. Like it was just yeah. interesting to me
1: a lot of autopilot in that, like associating different snacks with different behaviors and not even thinking twice about opening the fridge to get the thing that you usually eat when you're doing this thing and hard to break out of those habits for sure. Mm -hmm. So for you, as you mentioned, you leave home, you're super interested in getting into fitness. Talk me through that and where that comes from.
0: Um, you know, I had seen, uh, there were like fitness Americas, I believe they were on TV or they were these fitness competitions where they would like jump or it was the exercise, like fitness competitions where they would dance and jump and do all the things. And I'd always loved, um, you know, dancing. I'd always like been obsessed with gymnastics, but I was never allowed to be in them because they were either on meeting nights or like, uh, our church nights, or they also were with people who were outside of the religion. So, I was infatuated with anything like that, moving your body, things like that. So um, as soon as I could, as soon as I left, I started to get really interested in that. Like, could I maybe do that? Like, because I didn't go to college. I didn't, you know, I, I can't go back and relive my childhood and join like, you know, jazz or jazz class and all of these, these different things. So I was like, okay. Okay what can I do as an adult that could incorporate maybe allowing me to live that dream that I wanted of like either dancing or some sort of fitness. And I, I'd watch it on TV, like I said, and these women just seemed so confident. I think to me, it seemed like they were so powerful and so confident and so happy. And I wanted to embody those feelings. Like those were the feelings that I got watching them, like very powerful and just like, wow, like you can, you know, when you're watching something so powerful, like um, i just watched rocket man again last night and it was i was like levitating in my chair because the music and just the the performance and i'm very very drawn to that so for me i was like okay seems like fitness could be this thing that i could do and i could also like uh create a life around it so that i would stay fit because i was so afraid of not being fit i I'd, I'd been told my whole life. Like you're going to gain weight. You're going to, I literally had so many people say these words to me, Oh, you're going to be fat like the rest of us. Like that's literally ringing in my ears from my childhood. Cause that's what my family would always say. They'd say uh-huh. we, we had the, the, their last name was Baker and they're like, it's the Baker way we're just fat. And so I thought that I wasn't going to be able to escape it. Like I truly believe like, Oh, maybe it's just going to creep up. And if I create this life, like I'll be able to outrun it. And You know, I think through the years I learned enough that uh, just science and habits and all the things, but that was something I had to like really reset because that was a huge driver in the very beginning for me to, to create a life of fitness. And then also I know what fitness did for me. It made me feel like I just more kind of in control of my life. I felt happier. I had more emotional stability. I really struggled with a lot of anxiety before I started working out because I was eating really bad and I just depression, anxiety, all of the things. So moving my body became such a powerful tool. and, And I always talk about how moving my body was like pretty much the first spiritual breakthroughs I've ever had. You meet yourself. Like, go on a really long walk and don't come home until something happens. Like, it will happen for you. Something will shift. You'll hear a little voice that's like, maybe I want to do something else with my life. Or maybe I came here to do this. And and that's why fitness. I just felt like it was the first time that I felt like me. And I wanted to build. I wanted to build a life around that. And I wanted to give it to other people because it was such a gift. And I watched how my family didn't have it. And they really, really struggled. And a lot of them still really, really do.
1: And I love how the example that you used was go for a really long walk right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't need to go out and lift a 200 pound barbell or run a marathon to meet yourself where you're at instead and just start moving. There's so much power in that rather than comparing your journey to that of someone else that you might see on the highlight reel Mm -hmm. of social media. And now for you, I mean, you didn't just start working out either. Like you took it a step beyond that. So talk to me about how you got involved with both competing and then how you began your own career, building your own gym, uh, that kind of stuff.
0: Uh, you know, I, and I just want to say one more thing to walking. Walking is still t- to this day my greatest gift ever. Like it's my favorite thing that I do. I connect with my husband in that way. Like I, I just feel like it's a moving meditation and it's super powerful. Even if – even if the only workout you did the rest of your life was walk you'd probably be more than more than wonderful. So
1: more than wonderful. <laughs> more than
0: wonderful. Um so the transition from just like going full into fitness competitions was so many things. I mean, Emily, I I like I didn't finish anything in my life. Like nobody in my family finished anything. I literally had the mantra in my head. Like I never finish anything. I had started different things. I had signed up for, you know, different courses. I I don't finish. I didn't finish anything. So for me, um, I think just doing a fitness competition, number one was wanting to just complete something and prove to myself that I could like do Mm. something scary because I was homeschooled through high school. And I didn't, I didn't finish high school. I didn't graduate high school. So I hadn't finished that. So I already felt like a total loser. Um, I just felt like I was never going to end up amounting to anything. And so I was like, I have to just finish something, improve something to myself. And I had massive anxiety and panic attacks. So I was starting to feel like I was a total hermit. I was starting to drink like a lot more alcohol just to feel like a normal person. I would would have to have like three or four drinks before I'd even go out and see friends, like because I was so anxious, like just interaction was starting to make me anxious because I think I lived such a sheltered life. So with that said, when I first... Put a fitness competition on the calendar. It was simply to like say, I can't live this way anymore. I can't allow myself to like be overtaken by fear. If I don't start doing scary things, like I will be swallowed whole by my fear and anxiety.
1: But so interesting because out of all the things that you could have chosen to like put on the calendar, you could have chosen to like do a 5K where you're not half naked in front of a lot yeah. of people, but you're not, you're like, you know what? nah, we're going to take this to the extreme, extreme year.
0: I just felt like, you know, when you just, I just felt like if I didn't do that, I was like, okay, if you're going to do something big, do it anyway. And I, I had never run a day in my life. So I don't think I even thought of that. I didn't even think I could run. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So for yeah. me, I was like, okay, I feel like I can, cause I had already worked out. So I was like, at that point I had a lot of I knew how to work out. Like I, I understood working out. I read every single magazine there possibly could be to read. So I think to me, it felt like the only thing that I was good at or like somewhat good at. And that's why I went with that route. Were you getting
1: certifications at this time or just really into working out?
0: Um, No, I'm trying to think when I got, I think simultaneous. So I started competing at 27 and yeah, I was getting certified at 26.
1: Yeah. So wait, just for a second, let's dial in because what happened between 18 when you left and 27 when you started to really get into this
0: stuff? Um, I was still really working out, but I was working random jobs. Like I really – when I tell you I believed I would not amount to anything, like I lived and like I lived that. Like I – I fully took on that identity of like, wow, I'm never going to be able to do anything. Like I I got married to the most amazing man, um, and still married to him this many years later. And he just called me out on all of my shit. So that was fantastic. Um, (laughs) And him and I went through a really tough spot together. Like we actually lost our our house, our cars, all the things like $300,000 in debt. And that was the thing that woke me up to be like, you got to get your shit together and you have to do something. And that's when I started, um, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a fitness competition. Okay, I'm going to start training people. I have to make money somehow. That's when I got more into business. But yeah. There wasn't a whole lot going on. There was a lot of like random jobs. I did. I, I worked at a coffee shop when I was like 20, a drive-through coffee shop. I did retail jobs. I did makeup. Um, I went, I, I worked with my dad for a while. So I knew how to do like installation of kitchens and bathrooms and countertops and all of those things. I've done a lot of different things, but it wasn't until later that I was like, it, my soul would not leave me alone. Like I was the girl who like I couldn't sleep. I had insomnia because my soul was just like, look, we're going to keep hitting you in the face with two by fours until you wake up. Um, And that's and that's what happened. I had a lot of those moments.
1: Was there like a specific rock bottom moment that you were like, we really need to turn this all around? Or was it just as you're saying, like the culmination of all the two by fours in the face?
0: Oh, man. I mean, there's a whole portion of my life that I'm not sharing that it's just like from 18 into about 21 where I just like I was drinking and, you know, doing drugs and like in with uh, horrible roommates. I went to Mexico. I got kidnapped for an entire night and beaten. And like there were so many different things that like started to wake me up and I knew, but I still could not get myself to like do the big things. So I was that person who like People are like, do you have one moment? I'm like, I had thousands, and I'm so grateful that whatever you believe, like that God did not give up on me, <laughs> on, like on the nudges, like, and, and I'm so glad that I eventually finally listened. Um, because I just had so, so many, so many moments that like, don't give up on yourself, even if you've had a million nudges and you're like, well, that should have woken me up. Well, that should have woken me up. There are parts of you that are waking up or changing. It's just, you know, it's, we're all in a timeline that we don't understand why. And now looking back, I can completely see that I was on the perfect timeline for me. And it's just, and, and you never know that once you get to a spot, like it can, it can accelerate so incredibly fast that I, I just say, don't, don't judge the timeline. Cause there's things happening. I always feel like it's a winter, you know, there's so much happening underneath the, that layer of snow that you see, that's just like getting you ready for something amazing. So yeah, I don't, I try not to judge it anymore.
1: So when you first sign up for this fitness competition and you get over the hurdle of the signing up,
0: mm-hmm. then
1: How does the training go? And talk to me about that mental journey because that's a whole other thing.
0: Oh my gosh. I mean, oh my God. (laughs) Literally just went back to the, I mean, I did fitness competitions for like six years. So it's, it started to become like more, I started to understand it more and just even just learning about, you know, the science of it and working with different people. And, and that really helped me. But in the beginning it was just like, it was terrible. I didn't know anything I was doing. I was listening to different people who maybe I shouldn't be listening to. I was just like following protocol and wondering why I was suffering so much or my body wasn't changing in the way that I wanted. So many different things happened within, you know, the the first year that I had started competing because you're you're essentially like just trying things. You're just you're, you're trying these protocols that people are putting you on to work out this many days and eat this to see what potentially you could look like on show day, you know, whether it's 60 or 120 days from the time that you maybe start your protocol or whatever it is. Um, but I will tell you one of the best things I did though, is sign up with a team, um, of people who were known for doing like all natural competing and like trying to make sure that women do it a lot healthier. Um, And that was probably the best thing I did because even when I thought of going like super crazy extreme, they were just like great reminders that it doesn't work. It's not sustainable and you're probably going to pay for it later. And even though I do feel like I took it to an extreme level at some points that it was kind of nice to always have that bring me back to the place of like, okay, okay what happens when you do this to your body? What happens to women when this happens? And, and I think just having that conversation be readily available and accessible was really big for me.
1: Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsors. First up, Baron Fig. Baron Fig has been dedicated to a mission to champion thinkers around the world through inspiration and imagination. They do this by creating tools for thinkers. Now, I know what you are wondering, what is a thinker by definition? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you have thoughts You're a (laughs) thinker. What originally started out as a small project between designer and CEO, Joey Caffone and his friends quickly turned into something more. With nearly 10,000 Confidant notebooks sold in the first 30 days, Baron Fig has expanded their line of quote-unquote tools for thinkers to include guided journals, notebooks, writing instruments, bags, desk organizers, so many things, and so much more. I use my Confidant journal every morning and I literally sat down with it for about mm, 30 to 40 minutes easily on Sunday morning. A lot to reflect on in this crazy, crazy stage of life that I'm in. Anyway, of course, Baron Fig has a deal for you. Use the code hurdle 20 at checkout to receive 20% off your purchase of $50 or more at Baron Fig. That's B-A-R-O-N F-I-G.com. Again, head on over to baronfig.com and use the code hurdle 20 at checkout to receive 20% off your purchase of $50 or more. Baron Fig, do your best thinking. Second shout out of the episode to my friends at Gooder, Y'all, once I started wearing Gooder sunglasses on my runs, just running around town, getting things done, I haven't been able to look back. They are the perfect fit for my face. And as I mentioned, multi-purpose, plus they have really smart tech. I'm talking polarized, no bounce, no scratch, just all good times. I'm a huge fan of their blackout mock Gs, but there are plenty of different styles to fit every taste. And best of all, the price point. These glasses are so obscenely affordable. I'm talking starting at $25, which is unbelievable considering just how excellent the quality is. Of course, I have an awesome deal for you. Head on over to gooder.com/hurdle, that's g o o d r.com/hurdle and use the code HURDLE15 at checkout for 15% off your order today. Again, that is HURDLE15 at gooder.com/hurdle. Use that code to get 15% off your purchase today. Did I mention they are already obscenely affordable? (laughs) Trust me, you won't regret it. talk to me about that internal dialogue that's happening with you at this point, because I know you spoke about having such a negative dialogue earlier on with all of the eating and I can't do this. And now you're at the fitness competition stage of your life and you're highly restricting your diet Mm -hmm. as well. So I could imagine that this could become a little bit toxic.
0: Yeah. And it did for a little while because what happens is you see the results. What happens is you find a plan that quote unquote, works. But what it works for is showtime. It doesn't work for a lifetime. So, you know, all of a sudden, uh, for the first time in my life, I might add, I'm getting attention. I have never gotten attention in my entire life, especially for how I looked. So what does that do? It's like immediate, like, oh, when I do this, I get love, right? And then that you are addicted. You are now essentially on crack and that crack is called staying lean to get love and um, staying lean for recognition. So for me, I, it's like, I don't think you realize how much it affects you until all of a sudden you're not in that shape anymore. And you're like, Oh my God, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like you're jonesing for your next hit. And you're like, it's, it's, it's the same with accomplishments, which I could talk about forever as well. And it's not until that, that even that recognition of that. And also I think realizing like the things that we think are making us happy can often be the things that are keeping us in prison and the things that we think have to be a certain way in order to make us happy. Oftentimes can be done in a completely different, more maintainable, more sustainable way where you can also be happy. But what happens is you have to let go of the belief that that's the only way you can do it. And the only way I let go of this belief was like there, I I definitely like strayed away from it a bit to the, to a place where I felt like I was a lot healthier, but I didn't understand that it was still so ingrained in the routine, like to the point where it was like, you know, affecting like, where, where do I want to go? Where do I want to travel to? Oh, I, I can't go to Europe because I'm not going to have control over the food there. I know what it's like there. Um, and I still went, but I had these beliefs that were stopping me from life. You know, I'm not going to sleep well. That's going to throw me off and I'm going to start eating X, Y, and Z. And I'm not going to have access to gyms for a month. So I can't go travel across seas for that long. Anyway, I ended up going overseas for an entire month, had zero access to one gym. Um, I was, you know, staying up until 2am because the people I traveled with, like we, we booked dinner reservations at 10pm every night. Cause in Spain you just eat super late and you sleep late and it's, it's glorious and horrible for a fitness person. Like you're like, this is amazing. I hate it. Um, and like, I had to let go because we were with a large group of people and it was like, I wanted to have fun so bad, but I was like watching myself be like, miserable. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure you've been there before. And it was like 10 days in where I just, I was like, you know what, God, I'm letting go. Like I'm fully surrendering because this is not working. Like I'm not having any fun. I can't get access to what I want. I don't like, I'm not feeling good because mostly I'm just like beating myself up. And then I was like, we're just going to go with the flow. I ended up, staying up late, drinking, eating, walking 15 miles a day for real, because that's what you do in Europe. And I came home, nothing changed. Like I didn't gain any weight. I felt incredible. I felt like I looked better. And it was just a moment of like, wow, we totally imprison ourselves with our rituals. So rituals and discipline are some of the most beautiful, amazing grounding like will just let you soar in life. I think they're freedom, but they can also be your prison if you don't recognize the fine line between when it's helping you and when it's actually stopping you from living. And and I don't know how to tell people to get to that place. I don't know how to tell it's them not easy. besides booking yeah. a month long trip with people who make you do things you don't want to do. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you mentioned also the parallel between uh, that situation and accomplishments. So let's Let's talk about that for just a second here. I mean, obviously you're hinting at that if we're always striving for the next big accomplishment, then we're going to lose purpose Mm -hmm. or perhaps like some enjoyment in that journey, right?
0: Look, this is such a great question because I know I feel like even just talking to you, like I know that you are probably a very driven person who likes reaching accomplishments and doing things and having new experiences. And I, I think that is so important. Like I... I want to do and see and try and be everything that I possibly can, like till the wheels fall off. Like I just, I will be 90. Like what's the next accomplishment that I want to do. And I also want to back it up and just say like, are you enjoying the journey? And if you are not, you know, and you have to consciously choose to enjoy it. Because I will tell you, I'm doing the dreamiest thing of my life right now. And it's the scariest thing of my life as well. And also every day I could be like, this is hard. This sucks. Oh my God, this went wrong. And instead it's like, oh my gosh, this is new. I get to do new things every day. Okay, this is so cool. Okay, I just got rejected in a new way. That's interesting. What can I learn from this? Okay, awesome. You know, and just enjoying the fact that I've come to realize that we can either do a lot of the same and feel safe and miserable or we can do different things every day and be extremely challenged but at least it's a different emotion that we can appreciate more that expands us and actually offers us some reward maybe not in that day but you'll end up feeling like this beautiful sense of expansion and like you'll you'll see life from an even more beautiful like rich standpoint, like it's the most beautiful thing to expand when you can appreciate the hard stuff. But back to, you know, if you're just trying to get to that accomplishment, you that lasts a day. Like when you, when you reach your finish lines, like when you're doing your races, you're like, wow, okay. It's over now. And now is like brunch. Okay, great. Like, enjoy the brunch and enjoy all the things. But like, it was not, it was the training. It was all the the downloads you got during all those long runs. It was like when you pushed through that extra long run and you did it and you're like, I am so proud of myself. And here's what I learned. It's all of that, like info and data and, and everything that you get on the journey. And you have to, you have to consciously make it a practice every morning and every day and be grateful for things that you're like, why would I be grateful for that? Like, consciously getting grateful for all of these new things that are coming into your realm, even if they're super challenging. Um, because I just, my husband and I talk about this all the time. I just don't think there's a middle. I don't think there's like, um, you know, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to go to Italy and enjoy my life or I'm going to stay home and feel safe. And this is going to be great. And I'm going to be so present and just make sure I enjoy every second. Like I've done that. Like I've tried, I, I took like a year where I was like, I'm going to like do less. And it was really awesome. And, I'm an idea. If you are an idea machine and you love to create, it's like, I wasn't super happy not creating. (laughs) It's like, this is awesome. And I feel very relaxed. And now I want to go make something or now I want to go connect with that person and create something or do something bigger. And and so I think you also just have to know what type of person you are. But yeah, I don't think that there's there's definitely an addiction to accomplishment, but there's also just like it's, it's a practice to remind yourself to be grateful for the journey.
1: Definitely. So for you, you become briefly addicted to the accomplishment of thriving in fitness competitions. And then when do you decide, all right, it's time for me to get off the horse?
0: Mm, yeah, I – so I competed for six years and I think out of three and a half of those, I hadn't won anything, but my goal was always to place. And then at like year three and a half, this is really interesting. I I started doing some personal development work and things just shifted for me. And I remember I was going into compete at the two biggest competitions of the year. It was, uh, fitness America and fitness universe. And they kind of like, they're kind of like four months in like in between each other. And I just felt different. I, I had started teaching people stage presence and like coaching them. And I started really like creating a community, I started really like giving back and stepping into my calling. And I I have to share this story quick right before, because I do think there's a massive pivot of what happened. And I had always wanted to be an Oxygen magazine cover model. Like if you, it's kind of like, that was kind of the thing you wanted to do if you were in fitness anywhere from six to 10 to 20 years ago. And so I had Oxygen magazine covers up. And the reason I wanted to do that was because they inspired me. I would carry those things till they were like ragged in my gym bag. I would know everything about the girl on the cover. I would like, you know, try all of her stuff. I just like, they inspired me beyond anything that I can tell you. And so I had this as my goal for this whole time competing. And then before that, and they were always like, you're not our girl. You're not our look, whatever, whatever it was, it just was not for them. And I was consistent. And so one day when I got another no, like it was a very firm, like, look, Like this is just, you're just not it. Like you are not our look. It's not, it's not going to be for you. And I was staring at the, the, my vision board and I was in my room and I threw myself in the bed. (laughs) I started bawling and I was like beating my, like for real, it was a full on temper tantrum. I'm like beating my hands on the bed and like, you know, that like kind of crying where you just are like waiting for someone to come save you. And then you have the realization halfway through that you're just exhausted and no one's coming and you're like, dang it, no one's listening. So you're like, hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and so I'm nearing <laughs> the end of like my session, <laughs> my uh, crazy tantrum session. And I was like, why do I want this? Like a question pops into my head. And it was just like this moment of like, why do I actually want this? And I was like, because I want to help people. I really want a community because I love like teaching. Like I love getting in front of people and like teaching them and like getting them to do things and empower them and get their body moving and like getting them to get out of their comfort zone. And I was like, why can't I do that without this? Like, why can't I create this without it? And in that moment, I was like, I got to cut out the middleman. (laughs) It's literally what I thought. I was like, I don't need them. I'll just go and create this in my community. And that's what I did. I, I got like a studio space and started creating this community. And and sometimes one person would show up on the weekends for these boot camps and these like, you know, different posing sessions, or I was doing clinics. I was doing empowerment sessions, you name it. I was naming it a different name and just trying all these different things. Sometimes one person would show up, sometimes eight, sometimes 50. So it just started to grow. And from there, I just had this realization also that a magazine is a business and they want somebody who can help them sell their magazine as well. So I had started this community then that summer or that summer I was going into it with kind of this community background, this idea that like, oh yeah, this is like, this is a fitness is a business. They're not just looking for the next best, most beautiful girl with the best body at all. Like they need to make money too. Like everything kind of clicked. So I ended up going and competing at Fitness America and Fitness Universe and And placing first in both of those, winning the whole competition. And that was like three and a half years to finally have it click. And then I so that was freaking amazing. But then the next year I was like, okay, I'm I didn't feel done with fitness yet because my dream had always been to do the exercise routine portion. Well, I didn't I had never like danced, I was not in gymnastics. So I got a coach to help me do a fitness routine. And so for the first time ever, like with no dance background, no <laughs> gymnastic background, I did fitness routines for those two competitions. And then when, when I had accomplished that dream and just doing it, um, that's when the second time I stepped off the stage, cause I had done it twice. Like I felt like I got like a good flavor of this. I stepped off stage and I was like, Oh, I'm done. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that was it. And it's interesting because every part of me wanted to go back a few times because I was good at it. Um, meaning just fitness in general, because I knew that a new chapter was coming it was scaring the crap. But I mean, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know who I was without fitness. Like I did not know. And so, um, that was a really scary pivot as well. But that, that was the moment where it was like, I know that if I go back though, I'm going back to something that like the the energy was gone. I I say this a lot about different things like that particular chapter in my contract was over and I know that if I overstay it, it will start to be toxic for me Um, and I'll start to either resent the people in it. I'll start to show up differently. Whatever it is, I I knew it in my gut like you can't go back to this no matter how much your ego wants to because you could get attention for it again or you could Mm -hmm. get that hit again or you know, whatever it is. Like some people thought I was literally crazy. And I was like, I just, it was done though. And I think when we know that if we don't leave, it does like, it's like keeping an onion too long. It's going to go real bad and you're going to be sorry for it.
1: (laughs) Going to be sorry for it. So all this to say that when you pivot out of fitness, you Feel it in your gut that you have this other calling. At the time, do you know that it's that you want to help people work on their own self love, that journey for themselves? Or where where are you at with that?
0: Yeah, I had started doing personal development. So, going to like, um, uh, I started getting trained by uh, Jack Canfield. So, I went to a three week program with him. Like, I was starting to get called to like doing these different workshops I was telling you about. I was liking the fitness part, but I was really loving watching the breakthroughs. And I would just try like maybe these little exercises or writing exercises with them, you know, journal prompts and things like that that I had been learning through books and through like, you know, YouTube's or videos or whatever. And so I would just practice it and that became something that I was like, "Oh my god, I love this." Like I wanted to do that way more than I wanted to run a boot camp. So mm-hmm. I went and uh, and signed up with something called train the trainer that Jack Canfield was putting on. It came in an email and I was like, "What is this?" Like, you know, it's like when you're when you're seeking something, like that's when your teacher will come. Like it truly, like that's when it just showed up in my email and it was like, okay, if you want to be a trainer, you know, personal development, you're going to learn how to uh, run events, do meditations, like all of these different things. So I went for three weeks to the most intense, like, training ever which was incredible but that's when I really started to transition into personal development and knew that I wanted to put on events is because I was going to all these different events as doing Tony Robbins I went to Landmark I went to all these different spiritual retreats and I just couldn't deny like I was a different person like I couldn't even it was hard for me to identify with the old me because I just felt like it was so unbelievable how in these different weekends you could decide to be different and that just blew my mind. Like, you really, we really have a choice. And so I, I also knew with my background, I was like, just with where I come from and like what I've believed, I'm like, I it's not like I'm just like, oh, I, you know, my life wasn't bad. And I figured out not that my life was bad, it was just so different. It was so different, and my beliefs were so different. So I wanted to show people that like if I could come from this small town with these different religious beliefs so ingrained in me with not going to college, not finishing high school. Like you can, like you can absolutely do this. It's just like who are we surrounding ourselves with and, and what are we believing? In
1: that process of coming into this understanding, I'm sure you had to kind of do a pause and evaluate of who you had been surrounding yourself mm. with. And maybe even the way that you all spoke to each other, or perhaps like their opinions of you. I would imagine as you got more. Into this work, the people that you had been hanging out with may have had an opinion about it.
0: <laughs> I'm laughing because yes, they had a lot of opinions. <laughs> How did you deal with that? I mean, it, w- it was different points at different times. You know, it was different different people at different times. So, I had already kind of dealt with one of the, the the biggest ones, which was disappointing my my family, which was the hardest one. So, I think if getting getting that one under my belt was kind of like okay, I've been here before. Not that it was easy, but you know, when I was doing, I'm trying to think even when I was, I was working at a a hair salon actually doing front desk reception work. And I, it was for a year and it was the first year though, when I started competing. So it was like kind of when I had to start bringing like the Tupperware containers to work, you know, and I had made friends, um, with a bunch of girls. And it was like the first, you know, friends that I made in this area. Cause we had just moved to Milwaukee area, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I started shifting. So when I first met them, we were going out, we were doing like happy hours and going out on, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like hanging out with all these friends. I was like, Oh, this is amazing. I have all these friends, but I don't feel great. And this is not really aligning with my goals. And I end up uh, you know, saying, Hey, I'm doing this fitness competition and, you know, I'm not going to go out with you guys as much and whatever that looked like. And I remember they literally gave me so much crap every day. And it was like, Oh, no, she can't go out with us because she thinks she's better than us. Or, Oh, she wants to look this way, but it's not going to happen. Like straight up the craziest things you could possibly it's, it wasn't everyone, but it definitely was like a bunch of. It was like high school. I I had this moment of like, oh my god, I literally have to just let this be okay, and I have to start, you know, focusing on how I can spend more time with this other fitness group. And there was Facebook groups that I accessed all the time. I would book phone calls with people from my fitness team. I would try to get together with people um, who were in that community or people that I would just reach out to. And that's really when I started to learn the power of just like cold outreach of people that you literally don't know. So Facebook just no. oh my God, MySpace was around at this time. And then I think Facebook had just started and I was just looking for people in the area who had like competed at these different shows. So I would message these different girls and be like, would you ever want to work out? Would you ever want to like you know, whatever this looks like. And that's when I started making friends and learning how to find friends who can support you specifically in these areas. And then when the personal development things came and then when even just where I'm at right now with, I mean, I can think of everything when I wanted to do events, when I wanted to write a book, when I, you know, wanted to start a company, like I switched my network and I didn't say goodbye to the old network necessarily. It just depends. I switched the, the, the network to who I was spending the, the most time with I made them the people I spent the most time with. If the you know the ones that I wanted to like learn about in in the industry that I wanted to go into.
1: In this process of you coming completely into who you are and gaining an appreciation for that and accepting that and owning that. I mean, it's not easy, right? Mm-hmm. So for someone who feels a little inhibited or reserved about owning their full self, what advice do you have for them? Mm.
0: You know, I always think about, um, focus on a bigger problem. I know that sounds crazy, but it's just the truth. Like if you're focused on what people are going to think of you, or if you're focused on, you know, judgment, I always just focus on the end of my life and what <laughs> what's going to happen if I don't do this thing. And I focus on how I'm going to feel I do a lot of visualizing and thinking about what is this going to look like in one year? And what is this going to look like in five years if I don't do these things? And I'll sit in that. I'll actually let it get so real and I'll play that visualization all the way down to the road of like, how am I going to feel around my husband? Like, am I going to resent him? Am I going to start blaming him for things that I didn't do? How am I going to feel around my family? How is this going to show up in my friends? How is this going to show up like just with how I am am treating people? And that's the bigger problem. The bigger problem is if you don't do it and you're just not focusing on that enough because you're, you're honing in on the judgment or the worry of, you know, what is your mom going to say for that hour or whatever it is? It's like, okay, well, what if you break it to your loved ones or, or say the things that you need or tell them the boundary? And then you start the conversation that moves in a more positive direction. I'll tell you, it is not fun. It's not fun to have those conversations. In fact, it's the worst thing ever. Like it's, I, but, but here's how the experience goes. It's like a tidal wave. Like it, but it's just like one, every conversation is a tidal wave. It's coming it's going to suck. It's going to have a peak. You're going to feel like you want to cry. Every emotion is going to come up from your pinky toes and it's going to just like feel like it's going to consume you. And all of a sudden you're going to say the thing that you will have thought to say in a loving way, but you're going to say your truth and then it's going to be out and it like washes over you. It's like, it reaches a peak and it does go down. It's, it's like, it spikes and then it goes down. So I think what we think is we're going to stay on that spike the whole time. And the weird thing is, is that there's peace and tranquility after you speak your truth. Like there is a moment of such freedom on the other side that it's like, I pray for you to go on that spike. Like I pray for that tidal wave to come for you because you will have freedom and peace on the other side. Like you can't even imagine, like you can't even believe you lived that long without speaking your truth or putting a boundary because that's how free it is after you face the thing. So it's like, it's not going to feel, in fact, I want to run every time. Like I actually physically have the feeling of like, run out of the house, like go away. Anything would be better than this right now, like anything. And that's when you just have to like sit in it, let yourself cry if it comes up and be like, I'm, I'm emotional and I'm shaking, or maybe I'm not acting the way that I want to act through this conversation because it means so much to me because I'm so worried about losing you as a friend or we're, you know, upsetting you as a parent or whatever that is, but it's, it's never about them. It's, it's, it's about you about mm-hmm. you.
1: So I mean, at the top of this uh, podcast, I talked about all of the different things that you have your hands in, including your own podcast, Earn Your Happy. You've been doing it for a minute now. If you were to reflect on you know, your time hosting Earn Your Happy, is there any I would say, and I know it's hard as someone who asks, like I get asked this all the time, but like one of the biggest takeaways that you have from this experience, because I know Mm -hmm. that having dipped your toe into so many different forms of communicating with your audience that at least right now, this seems to be the one that you're really enjoying the
0: most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It has taught me that relationships are everything and you don't have to be great at it. You can be the best listener and you're going to get just as much as the person who just, you feel like adds a ton of value. Like listening is one of the most valuable things ever. And we don't have to get our value from the belief that we have to be valuable or interesting. Like you can actually just sit and listen and sit with someone on their journey and be interested and make incredible life-changing relationships that will rock your world. Like everything good in my life has come from the podcast, otherwise known as relationships, like everything. I, I can't eat like my book deals, my like different investors, like different best friends, like travel, like ideas. It is majority of them have come by way or somehow I could probably trace them back to me podcasting or listening to a podcast or something like that. So I was once
1: in a – I was in a personal development workshop a couple weeks ago, and one of the men said something that I feel like I've heard before, but for some reason in this time, in this moment, he said to me that you learn by listening, you don't learn by speaking. Mm, So And I've heard it before, (laughs) but like as someone who's often listening to other people such as you, it was one of those moments that I was like, hmm, yeah, Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Same, totally. I know. Same. Totally. <laughs> so right now, when you, uh, if I was to go to your Instagram feed, I would see a woman with all of these hot accolades that I listed again at the top of this show. Also, like a beautiful woman living what seems to be a quite the fulfilled life thriving, thriving. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you?
0: I I was just talking about this. I'm going to be totally honest right now. Like I still like, and and I really, I'm grateful. Like I'm so grateful for everything. And I'm actually so proud of myself. I say that all the time. That's a very, like a very powerful mantra for me. And I'm using it all the time because I'm scared a lot right now. Meaning I'm, I'm just, I'm brand, I am so in a new space, you guys, that it's, it's, literally rocking my world. Like there is not a day that goes by where I'm not doing 90% new challenging things. So you can imagine that's like, it's exhausting. I don't get to go on autopilot. It's very rare. So, um, that that's like really tiring. This is like, it's powerful and it's tiring. And I'm telling you this because like, I'm looking in the mirror and saying, I'm so proud of you. And also like, oh, but I, you know, I'm, I'm snacking more and I'm not eating as good. And I wish like I have a standard over here. That's not being met. And, you know, I wish I could spend more time with this girlfriend and, oh my gosh, what does my family think of me? And am am I present enough for them? And, you know, all of the things that we, it doesn't go away. It's, it's, I think we just manage the buckets, 10 different buckets going on at all times. And it's, like, yes, you'd look, and right now I'm doing really great in the business bucket. I I am because a lot of my focus is going there, but I'm not feeling great in other buckets and and they're good. They're good. Now, at least I've gotten most of them to good. And, and I think that's what I have to, I, I not have to, I'm trying so hard to remind myself, like, they're not always going to be like, great. Everything has a season. And it's just remembering to look at each one and saying, which one is really important to you? And like, okay, that one is going to have a season coming up. I have plans to be like really dropped in with family over the next month. Okay, that's great. And then I can go back over here, you know, and and do some different things. But that's been powerful for me just to remember like, man, we are not, not going to feel great in all arenas, but we can feel good and we can be proud. And I'm just trying to really focus on just making sure that I... I I feel proud of most all of it.
1: So what you're saying is you see a woman holding like six different buckets yeah. <laughs> when you look in the totally. mirror. I just yes. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you how your relationship is with your family now?
0: Yeah, it's way better. I think we're really, really. I would say that we are really good. It's it's a work in progress all the time. Yeah, all the time. But we definitely. I I would say probably around. Probably eight years ago when I went to landmark forum, there was actually a part of this um, program. It's a personal development program. If you don't know what it is, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, but on, on like day two, they're like, okay, write down like the converse, like the biggest conversation you need to have and the biggest truth you need to tell something like that. And so I write everything down, right? Because I'm just thinking I'm just going to share it with like a neighbor, And I'm like, great. I'm already sharing things. This is wonderful. I didn't think they were actually going to make me go do it. Um, So I write down that I like need to have this honest conversation with my parents. Like, and I write down the conversation that I need to have and they're like, okay, we're going on break and you're not allowed back in the room until you've called these people and you've gotten a hold of them and you've taken care of this thing. And I was like, I mean, I was pissed. So, <laughs> and I I took it serious. I was like, oh my God, I have to do this thing. So I ended up calling them and bawling and having this like hour long conversation with my parents in my car about all of the things, about all of my life and all of the ways that I felt. And that was the opening. It didn't go great, but it was an opening and they were really upset. At least my mom was really upset is what I remember. And we, I said, you know, I wouldn't have even told you this if I didn't. And here's the key, you guys. If you're going to have a tough conversation, tell them what you ultimately want and, and tell them truthfully. And I said, I would never even had this conversation with you if I didn't want a real, loving, long-term, like deep, connected relationship with you. And I think that changed everything. Um, so it's, it's just remembering... Go in with the feeling of the intention that you want and then speak the intention that you want so that they know. And I think it creates like a, a safety bubble around everything that's being said because you're only saying it to clear the air um, and you're only saying it because you ultimately want to get to the truth of your relationship where it can be real and it's not based on like me being a different person because I'm afraid if they find out who I really am or me feeling like I can't be myself because they won't accept me. That wasn't a relationship to me.
1: Yeah for someone who specializes in self-love and personal development work for someone who's struggling to really feel invested in themselves to love themselves what would you say is one thing that they could do tomorrow to work on that
0: this this can go so many ways so i want to say a couple things like sometimes self-love means finishing something cuz for me that's what it meant like sometimes it was like make yourself proud don't quit on yourself again like don't do this you deserve so much better um so sometimes it can be like following through on an action you want to do that could even be fun like it it can be like oh my gosh i have been wanting to go take a dance lesson in so long and i haven't been doing it because it, it in because you're just not making time for it or, or whatever the reason is, but it's telling your brain, you don't deserve it. Like you don't deserve to go and do the things that you want to do, or you don't deserve to have fun, or you don't deserve to be around those people, or you don't deserve to shop at that place, whatever that thing is, it, like start practicing. Cause it's so different for everyone. It can come in completely different forms. And I'll tell you that it will change throughout your life of what that means, Um, but what can you give yourself right now that can either make you proud or can just make you feel better or more like you? So that might be like self-love could come in the form of fun. Like I sometimes action or activity and like fun for me is the best form of self-love because I feel like me when I'm doing it. Sometimes it's going and like having a glass of wine with that friend that I make laugh the whole time. And I'm just like, Oh God, That's right. I am funny. No one else has been laughing, but she does. Um, So I I think it's different with all things, but how can you get those little moments more often? And that's what I try to focus on.
1: All right, Lori. Right now, you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice. Let's go between ages 18 and 22 when you are, as you articulated, perhaps in that near rock bottom place a collection of moments that are Mm. aligning with rock bottom right now you as you are today have an opportunity to offer that Lori a piece of advice Mm. what do you tell her
0: oh my god i literally the first thing is because i was so afraid of everything i had so much anxiety it was like run towards it go bigger do the scary thing because you're not gonna die like i would have just told her that like you won't die You might feel like you're going to have a heart attack and pass out and people are going to hate you or you won't be accepted, but like you'll make it through. Like none of it can take you down. You are protected by something so much bigger. Full faith, like use your faith because that is like, I love that quote, faith begins where your skill set ends. Go in full faith. Do the thing, like lean in. That's what I would say go in full faith. Mm -hmm. Lori
1: Harder, thank you so much for your time today. I'm so grateful that you went on your journey so that you can share your journey with all of us. And you're encouraging me to like at least take, I don't know, three to six seminars within the next next two to three month period.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful. This was so much fun.
1: Lori, how do the hurdlers keep up with you? How do they follow along with you? Give me all of the details.
0: Oh, man. Um, I I mean, I'm on Instagram at Lori Harder, um, and my new company is uh, at at Drink Light Pink, so we're doing just a lot of really fun stuff over there. Um, Oh, yeah. Podcasting is Earn Your Happy and Girlfriends in Business. Earn Your Happy and Girlfriends (laughs) in
1: Business. Thank you so much. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.